the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And I'm joined in studio once again, of course, by our wonderful producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Nice to see you, Rebecca. Yes. How does it feel to be back in class at it school? It is wonderful. Yes, it, it is. It is absolutely wonderful to have our families and our students back. It's just such a gift. Mm-hmm. Such a gift. Well, nearly six months after Governor Walls closed Minnesota schools as part of his plan to combat the spread of the coronavirus, the state schools are making their plans to reopen in some capacity, and they have been, some of them have been opening, some, some of open, them have yeah. been delaying their opening, yes. um, but uh, many are opening in some capacity um, now and, and over the next couple the of weeks. weeks. exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in fact, in the beginning of August, uh, Governor Waltz, he informed school districts that they had the flexibility in reopening plans dependent on the spread of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And according to the latest report that was put out by the Minnesota Department of Health, all schools are safe to reopen for in-person learning models according to county case numbers. Right. And faculty and staff from Liberty, Liberty Classical Academy, they were very busy implementing a plan over the summer for mm-hmm. the return to the classroom that took place back on August 31st. And what did the school take away from the online experience over the spring? We talked about that extensively last week. Mm-hmm. Well, this week we're going to be talking about uh, what it looks like uh, for faculty and families. How did they feel about the decision to reopen classrooms? And mm-hmm. we did talk a little bit last week about the process of reopening, uh, but we certainly want to delve into that topic a little more again here tonight. And our guests are here to share what they have learned over the last six months. Mm-hmm. Joining us in studio tonight to discuss the details surrounding the in-person reopen of Liberty Classical Academy are Brian Martinez and Suzanne Horn. Mr. Martinez is the director of both the middle and upper schools at Liberty Classical Academy, and Mrs. Horn is the director of Liberty Classical Academy's lower school. Thank you both both for joining us again here on uh, Education Nation. Our Thank pleasure. You. Thank it's you for having us. Here. It's great to have you back. Yeah, so we want to pick off, uh, you know, pick up rather where we uh, left off the last time we were in studio together. We had asked uh, Suzanne why reopening for in-class instruction was so important for the lower school. But I want to turn that question to you, Brian, being the director of both the middle and the upper schools. Why is reopening important for both schools? And what is the importance of a classical education in these schools? Well, absolutely. Thank you. I think first and foremost for our students, um, we have been created to be social creatures, mm-hmm. and you just cannot replicate that uh, from an, a distance learning program. And so mm-hmm. in order to fulfill, I think, everybody's calling, you need to be surrounded by others. And so that's vitally important 
um, component of what we do at our school. The uh, middle school, our logic stage, our, our logicians are looking at uh, common fallacies and applying that to their lessons. They are asking questions such as why um, and defining truthful questions and, and pursuit of honesty in their answers. And I did teach a 7th and 8th grade history class last year, and for the most part, it's very, very difficult and challenging to um, elicit conversation in that regard mm-hmm. for, for middle school students and then consequently for upper school students as well. I think there's um, some pretty fun and humorous YouTube videos out there that uh, you can watch these WebEx and you can see people talking and do I talk? Wait, your, your turn. Uh, right. Wait. Uh, <laughs> and then they and, get and, dropped. Yeah, and then you get and dropped. Then suddenly and suddenly yeah, they're back. And yes, and then the dog runs <laughs> right. in the background. And, and there's, they're humorous because they're truthful. We, right. we actually lived those pieces as well. And it stifles um, honest communication um, and inquiry uh, for our middle school students. And so to be able to... Um, have these conversations that our teachers have with our middle school students, particularly looking at um, the fallacy aspects of, of day-to-day life um, that you can have those conversations with. And it's just, it's just a necessary component of being in person. Mm-hmm. Our upper school students, um, that rhetoric stage, they, they take all that Suzanne and her faculty do at the lower school at the grammar level and the um, middle school faculty with their logical thinking. And then they actually have the ability to um, analyze and then discuss. So they're, they're, um, our rhetoricians take, take that information, they synthesize it, and then they engage in debate and conversation in the classroom. Um, and that's the richness of a classical education as the capstone to their experience. This is exactly what we want our, our um, educated students to be doing, is to be able to take an idea and to look at it and turn it on its head, turn it sideways. Where's the truth value in what's being said? Um, how do you call out a fallacy in that capacity and then engage in a conversation that's rich and fruitful that really distills it down to its its truthful nature? Mm-hmm. And again, you you just can't have it in its fullest capacity from distance learning. Yeah. Right. And I'm just thinking from a time-consuming aspect, that's a very time-consuming class. And mm-hmm. when you're only on the computer for a day trying to get all of the subjects in, mm-hmm. I can see where obviously that would be watered down and not to reach its fullest potential. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and that actually happens in all the classes. So it's not just the rhetoric class. Right. It's all of them. And so then to lose that opportunity to have that deep analytical discussion, debate, um, like you say, it's it's really affecting the whole program at the high school level. Oh. Where they're missing out on that opportunity the way it would be in the classroom. Absolutely. It's, it's woven into the fabric of our English classes, our history classes, our science classes, our math mm-hmm. classes as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so it just, it just is a, it's a component that can't be replicated online. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why our students learn to think so deeply. Yes, you know, That's one of the gifts of a classical education is that students learn how to think deeply about subjects and how to reason logically. And um, that discussion and debate is essential to forming that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have to say as well, um, in-class learning, especially for our science department, you you can't replicate labs either. Mm-hmm. The equivalent of that would be maybe showing a video of how to play baseball, but never letting your students sure. play baseball. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. you just have to watch and then ask them to analyze and, and have a conversation about what you saw as opposed to what you are actually doing and living. And so... 
it's vitally important for us to have our students back in class as well for all of our labs. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, at the upper school and middle school level, we have um, put together the last few years a very robust spiritual formation component. And to be able to have those conversations with your classmates under the tutelage of your teacher um, to be able to uh, have those conversations is, is, is a vital component. We could not replicate that from a distance learning aspect. And then mm-hmm. finally, I think uh, both middle and upper school, we engage in house competitions. We've, we've created a, a, a really wonderful, um, com- fun, competitive um, atmosphere. We, we actually are in the process of purchasing trophies for all four of our main competitions. We purchased a, a year but the house that has accrued the the most um, uh, points over the course of the year, we have a house cup now, and I'm I was so excited to um, give that to the to the Augustine House uh, last Monday, um, and the excitement that 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 sense of community and um, competition that we have instilled in our upper school, and to a, a lesser degree, but still. Um, still there for our middle school is uh it's just it's just a joy mm-hmm. the other thing that i'd like to add to that too brian um is the public presentation skills um public presentation is a big part of a classical program at liberty and it's you can't have the same type of presentation over zoom as you can live sure. um it's just it's stilted it doesn't feel you know if you're at home trying to do a presentation which we did we ran our speech meet online our, our middle school speech meet online last year and the students stood in front of their zoom and they did it but imagine how awkward that is for them to try to do their w- without getting any feedback you know normally when you're doing public speaking you're getting sm- smiles of warmth from your teacher you're getting smiles of warmth from the rest of your classmates that encourage you and you're projecting your voice because you want to make sure that the whole class hears you when you're on zoom it just feels so different and the skills um it's just not it's it's just not as valuable as it is in in person no absolutely Uh, i think it's also important just to note a handful of other things as well that are an important part of the journey of our upper school students but maybe um just aren't quite as in focus for people. So, f- for example, I'm I'm so glad for our seniors that graduated last year that COVID hit in the spring and mm-hmm. that for the most part they had already um, decided where they were going to be going off to college or university. Right. Oh, yes. And uh, the, the, the college counseling piece for our current seniors is so vitally important that it is in person. I, you, again, you cannot have the fruitfulness of that conversation with individual sure. students as they are going about and asking their questions. I, I, I liken the, the journey for, um, for searching for your college. It's, it's like a, you enter into a door and there's a corridor with thousands of doors and, and you just don't know which one to open. Mm-hmm. And it can be so overwhelming for some of our students that it's, it's almost easiest to not even open any doors and look. And so to have our college counselor be able to come alongside of our seniors at the beginning of this year in our school I think it's going to be an absolute um, joy and wonder, which will help provide clarity for those um, that will be graduating this year. Mm-hmm. It's also mm-hmm. important to note just the, the leadership opportunities that happen on a day-to-day basis that we are, it's both naturally and um, purposely built into our classroom. Mm -hmm. And so all the way, whether it's our eighth graders working with our um, sixth graders, whether it's our fifth graders that are working with uh, different Mm -hmm. age um, Mm -hmm. students at at the lower school level, those those built-in leadership opportunities uh, provide a sense of stability and foundation. Um, It provides a relationship that students can um, build upon and 
um, look to. And I think that's wonderful. And then we also lost out on just volunteer opportunities when we were yeah. doing distance learning as mm-hmm, well. And so mm-hmm. we currently are in the process of uh, working with a, um, a partner school in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and we're doing a backpack drive right now um, as their school situation um, has been hit really hard by the uh, the riots that mm-hmm. have happened and the um, the looting that has happened in Minneapolis. And so mm-hmm. their neighborhood has really been um, destroyed. I don't think that's really a hyperbolic statement. No. I mean, the neighborhood mm-hmm. has been destroyed. And so we have this opportunity now to come alongside of others who have this tremendous need. And, and again, these these pieces don't necessarily happen in your classroom from 8, 10 to 9 o'clock, but they are so vitally important in creating a well-rounded and educated um, young man or woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, Suzanne and Brian, this is kind of a change of um, topic here, but how does the faculty feel about returning to school? I would say the majority are very excited to be back. Mm-hmm. They were they were in their it was wonderful last night to see them in their rooms and mm-hmm. they were loving being seeing their students again. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there's some anxiety on, mm-hmm. on behalf of a few and uh, I think that that anxiety kind of will lessen as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some teachers have chosen to take some time off mm-hmm. due to personal concerns, but we've been able to find some excellent teachers to come mm-hmm. in and take their place. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think over overwhelmingly they were happy to be back. Yeah, that's great. I would agree with that. Um, as the year has unfolded, um, just the idea of being together, um, we have seen less anxiety on a day-to-day basis. There was, there's un- we still are living in an unknown time, but we have more knowledge now than we did in the spring. And so to that point, as each day passes, there, the comfort level is, is gaining um, within our faculty as well. But uh, to Suzanne's point, absolutely. I think the, far and away the majority of our faculty is ready to be back. They're ready to have those. The, the reason they choose to teach is because of the students. Mm-hmm. There's, that's, that's why teachers teach, their love of being with the students that they teach. And so to that point, they're ready. They have made their adjustments, the modifications, and, and um, we continue to talk about this being a, um, a chapter in, in the life of a school year, and, and we are hoping that we will be back to normalcy sooner than later. But until then, the modifications are in place, and they have uh, appreciated the modifications, and they are appreciating the opportunity to spend time with their students. Mm-hmm. It's great to hear. Yeah. Well, we did talk a little bit uh, the last time we were together about uh, the the survey that was put out there to kind of mm-hmm. get some feedback from the parents in terms of how they felt and their families felt about returning. Let's let's touch on that again here tonight for a bit. What were the common concerns that families expressed uh, in that survey and maybe in phone calls and meetings regarding the reopening plan? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the concerns was singing. We do start the day with Sawe Deus and we mm-hmm. sing. Mm-hmm. So what we've done is we've compressed that time down to 10 minutes, which is the time between 10 and 15 minutes together. So Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do wear masks during that time. So that was a concern. And, there are, and we're only singing one song. And one song, exactly, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the masks were concerned, and they were uh, concerns on both sides. But again, as Rebecca said, we're following the governor's mandate, mm-hmm. and those who uh, are going to have exemptions will submit those as well. Right. Uh, lower school lunch, We there were co- some concerns about being in the lunchroom together and how that works with uh, social distancing. Uh, for now, as starting the school year, we will begin um, having lunches in the classroom. 
and hopefully we'll be able to move back as, as the year progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're addressing some of those concerns about social distancing by keeping desks farther apart, mm-hmm. spreading them apart, doing the seating chart, uh, having them sit in different spots so that they can social distance. And our students, when they walk down the hallways, they they walk with their hands behind their back in the lower school. Which has always been the case. It's, it's, it's always been the case, sweet. which it's is just, perfect yeah, then. Mm-hmm. That, that orderly. Orderly, mm-hmm. keeps that distance. Uh, so, yes, those were some of the concerns, but I feel like Liberty has been able to address those concerns mm-hmm. in, in a in a reasonable way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. We've done our best to be responsive. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I think um, there's a handful of, of crossover between the lower school and the middle and the upper school as well. And I, I do believe that the number one question or concern was, again, our choir program and our band program. And um, Suzanne answered that as well, that um, we are doing our social distancing during our, um, our uh, choir class. Um, they are most definitely not singing the entire period. Mm-hmm. I, I believe we are singing 10 minutes mm-hmm. um, in class, and then we're getting a little bit of music theory um, and such to um, fill out that class from a um, curricular standpoint. We do meet twice a week for assemblies, and so that was a concern as well because it's a larger group that we will be um, convening in our gym. And at that point, we have asked students to wear masks um, during those large gatherings. Uh, Number one, we are social distancing as well. So usually we have all of our students sitting in the bleachers, and we're going to be having um, our middle school students in their cohorts via grade level. Uh, standing for that opening song that we do sing. It's one song as well, just like the lower school, and then they will be seated in the gym floor. And then upper school faculty and um, students will be on the bleachers, social distance too. Mm-hmm. Um, we are holding the line in those large gatherings to 10 minutes or less, mm-hmm. and, and that is, uh, I believe, part of the executive order as well. Um, well, the the de- definition of exposure is 15 yes. minutes prolonged um, or prolonged exposure, excuse me, is 15 minutes within six feet of someone that has COVID. And so we're we're trying to be even safer than that guideline and we're more limiting things to 10. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then there was, like Suzanne said as well, there were some concerns about the masks, both um, the exemption piece and the... Um, and, uh, whether they can be exempt or not. And Mm -hmm. so we have seen far and away the majority of our students have been wearing their masks and they are following through with most definitely the situations in which we have asked them to be masking, Mm -hmm. which is those the hallways and the common gathering areas of the bathrooms and such, and then our our assemblies. And so those were mainly the concerns that I had at the middle and upper school level. Mm -hmm. Yep. So another thing that is an issue or or maybe a positive thing, but taking into consideration those concerns, how do you think the parents feel about the decision to return to school now? Last night was, at our back to school night, was amazing. Mm -hmm. I I saw smiles. I saw people that were happy and they were glad to be back. The majority of parents are happy to be back. Again, as with teachers, there is some anxiety, Mm -hmm. but Overwhelmingly, again, last night, there was just joy. I truly felt joy. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I, I feel the same way. It's, it's just refreshing to um, receive an email that says thank you, mm-hmm. uh, to have a conversation that says thank you, that, um, that we're playing a, a, a part in helping our parents as well 
um, slowly move towards normalcy in their lives mm-hmm. uh, with their children too. And mm-hmm. so um, we've you know, taken all the precautions that we can take. Uh, we have followed the executive order, and um, we have had a very successful opening to our mm-hmm. school. I know one of the things that I have consistently heard from parents is thank you for demonstrating undaunted perseverance. You know, that is one of our values as well. I think I mentioned courageous leadership in our last show. Um, but it has required undaunted perseverance really all summer long uh, to come to this place where the school is now open and the students are learning in class. And it's been, you know, just a mighty, mighty gift. And um, one of the things that has um, also been a gift is the reopening of sports to a degree. I think it was very disappointing. We are members of the Minnesota State High School League. And um, so, as most people know, the Minnesota State High School League postponed their fall sports of football and volleyball to take place in March and April, which then is going to bump the spring sports to May and June. Um, So our soccer, our boys soccer and girls soccer can continue. So that's great. Um, The volleyball team is going to continue practicing and just having their own little uh, what do you call that when they play each other? Just scrimmage. scrimmages. <laughs> thank you. Um, just, you know, within their own team so that they can stay fresh and so that the girls can feel like they have some semblance of a normal fall. And I'm so thankful to Mandy, the um, coach that is willing to do that, knowing that she's going to have to coach again in the spring. And, you know, she's a mom of two girls herself. And um, but, you know, I was just talking to the um, the high school soccer coach and you know, just how much this has been affected because each school has a different view of how they're going to do their games. And um, they, the boys were going to play a team um, where the school really wanted the boys to be wearing masks on the field while they were playing soccer. And, and they were trying to ask our students to do the same thing. And of course, our athletic director and coach said, no, you know, we're not going to do that. And I think, my goodness, that sounds so dangerous. You know, you Soccer is a very physical sport. You're you're running, running, running the whole time, and to have a mask on, I literally think they're going to end up with kids passing out on the field, <laughs> or ripping their mask off so that they don't. And um, so it's just been really interesting um, to see how various schools are handling this. Um, you know, even though they're moving forward, I I thought, oh great, the soccer season's going to be normal. No, it is not normal. And in fact, that school wouldn't allow any spectators either. So, and this is outside, you know, soccer is outside and we had riots in Minneapolis and we have riots all over the country and um, we're not hearing of spikes coming from riots, although maybe it's just because it's not being, um, you know, magnified on the news. I'm not sure. Um, But I will say that um, it's been interesting because even though uh, fall soccer went forward, it's still been affected, um, but we're so thankful that the boys can play anyway, and the girls. I well, keep I shouldn't forget that the girls' team is playing too. And to that point, it's that's it's heartbreaking for parents yeah. as well to not be able to, to go watch, to watch your watch, child play a game. Absolutely, yeah, especially if they're seniors. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. just um, it's it's really a shame. Um, but again, I am thankful that uh, at least some of those sports were able to move forward. Um, well, um, another, I guess, Mark, you're going to go ahead and talk to them yeah, about another question sure, that we we've had. We've got about five minutes in the program, so mm-hmm. we can go ahead and, and wrap up kind of with this thought. Um, mm-hmm. Brian, have you seen an uptick in family inquiries, and why do you think that that's occurring? Yes, um, we have seen an uptick at Liberty Classical Academy with our um, 
uh, with our enrollment, actually. I think the lower school, and over the course of the last three years at the middle school, I have had the um, largest new student orientation um, at the very beginning of, of August. I think parents understand the importance of in-person education. Uh, there's just no ands, ifs, or buts about that. And I think that's really driving that uptick that we are seeing at our school. Um, many of the surrounding school districts are doing a hybrid um, model for for their students. And um, it, it, I, I don't know exactly how that will unfold for, for them. Um, I can only look to what we accomplished. And while we accomplished some really great things, um, doing our online distance learning, it, it just did not replicate what we were able to do in the classroom. And so to that point, um, that's my largest guess as to why we have seen such an uptick, um, because we are doing in-person learning. Mm-hmm. And we, our admissions director, is still having tours this week. Mm-hmm. Days before school opens, mm-hmm. so and mm-hmm. I, as we have our we have in the lower school something called a preparation station, and yes, it was the largest preparation station that we've ever had in mm-hmm. the history of Liberty mm-hmm. Classical Academy. Yeah. So it was really exciting to see these new students mm-hmm. and to be able to offer them the chance to be have school in person mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. I think the, another reason we have had an uptick is our current families. Um, are very appreciative of what is happening in the classroom. And so they're having conversations with their friends as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of their friends may send their child to a public school system and having to navigate these waters of what is best in my child's interest. I think that those conversations that our parents are having with their friends or or colleagues or um, members in their sub-communities and such is really having an effect, a very positive effect on Mm -hmm. us because they are in turn just sharing the joy that they are reaping for their child being in our school. Right. And I do think that, um, you know, as the year progresses, so many of the school districts even switched from hybrid to all online. And um, again, we've we've been over the, the negatives of being online. And um, to think that there are so many districts that have chosen even at the last minute to switch from hybrid to online, it's really disturbing. And so I do believe that we're going to continue to get students coming into our program all fall as long as those districts stay either hybrid or online. Let me ask you this, Rebecca. I know that the reopening flexibility was contingent on the number of cases like you know, per county, mm-hmm. if those numbers, you know, as the weather starts getting colder, mm-hmm. should begin to accelerate mm-hmm. and increase and that mm-hmm. becomes known. Um you know, I would imagine then that that would affect in terms of, you know, future possible plans where then you're having to consider uh, some sure. of these other options. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. We are prepared. With a private school? Yes. Yeah. I mean, even as a private school, we're prepared to go back online if we need to. We okay. could do it overnight. Um, we've kept all of the um, technological um, platforms, sure. the Google Classroom and the Zoom. We've kept that all the way through the summer and into the fall, and we'll keep it all year long. Um, so that we can revert to online at any moment if we need to. Um, so if the need arises, whether that be because the cases in the area um, increase, I would say we'd be more likely to wait and see if we have a problem in the school. Sure. Um, I know that that's the governor's guidelines, but um, you know when I consider that, I think he's thinking mostly of these huge districts that have thousands of students that they have to think about with multiple buildings and 
you know, we're in a unique situation where we're a school of just under 300 kids, preschool through 12th grade. And so it's easier for us to cohort. It's easier for us to um, social distance. And and therefore, I think we would be more concerned about if we've got a lot of cases in the school, then for sure we would um, have to move to kind of some rolling online every once in a while. So. Well, Brian and Suzanne, we're so grateful to have had you Thank these you last both. two weeks. Thank you. Our and um, obviously, we're in it together, and we're very thankful for um, school reopening, and uh, we'll be praying for our safety and the, the students and staff the, throughout the year. And thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, listen to this podcast at ednationmn.org.